I have never done, I've never been a pastor while uh, a church celebrated 200 years, so I'm envious you've got to do it twice. <laughs> Praise God. But it is a tremendous, tremendous joy to be here. I do want to bring you a greeting from all your sister churches that make up the Chattahoochee Baptist Association. As you heard already this morning, Mount Salem is one of the very first churches that um, became a part or put together the Chattahoochee Baptist Association. That was back in 1826, but y'all had been in existence a long time before that took place. And I just thank God for this church. Thank God for the relationship this church has had with sister churches in the region and your partnership in the gospel. We always say that we exist to make sure that a generation from now, that the influence of the gospel in northeast Georgia is greater than it has ever been. And I thank God for the privilege of being a part of that. But I thank God, too, for churches that have been a part of that vision for so many generations all the way back. A 200th anniversary is quite a milestone. And I want to talk about that this morning in, in talking about your celebration. I guess if there's a title to the message, it would be Passing a Milestone. Now, y'all probably do the same thing I've done. I mean, you've probably taken, anybody here take your kids on long road trips someplace you go there over and over and over again all my married life debbie uh, my wife debbie is from louisiana and so we i promised her we got married that uh, we would get out to see her folks in louisiana at least a certain time number of times a year so we we have kept i-20 hot between here and and delhi louisiana for a long long time and when we were raising the boys we would put them all in the car like y'all have done you know and they'd put them in the car asleep. We'd try to get as many hours as we could while they were still asleep. And then they'd wake up and all the fun would start, you know, where he's touching me or are we there yet? How many million times have I heard that? And y'all have heard it too. And so whenever we would take those long trips, we would always, you know, look for certain milestones. I don't know, you know, we just developed traditions around some of them. So we had one of the milestones between here and there, you had to cross the Mississippi River. So that was a big, big deal when we got there, and they developed a tradition. Who could hold their breath all the way across the Mississippi River? Fine. <laughs> Whatever keeps you happy. <laughs> you know, we had a milestone. Every time you cross the state line, that was a milestone. Or maybe there was a particular restaurant that we would go and eat at a lot, you know, and so they would look for that. And every time you'd pass a milestone, you all know how it works. It's a time to sort of take stock. You think about, man, how far have we come? hopefully a long way. <laughs> or you might think about how far we've still got to go. You know, there's always some distance. We're not quite there yet. And I think about this day, 200 years for Mount Salem Baptist Church. And what an awesome milestone this is. Now, y'all have probably done the same thing I've done in thinking about this day and thinking about, you know, how much has changed since Mount Salem came into existence? I went back and looked yesterday. I mean, James Monroe was the president of the United States in 1818. That's one of those old, 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 old presidents back there close to George Washington and those guys. I mean, that is a lot of change. And I thought about, you know, how many cities that are part of American life today, we read about in the news, I mean, whether it's Houston or Cincinnati or Chicago or, you know, I don't know, Dallas or... How many of these cities that have millions of people in them now didn't even exist in 1818? You think about it. I mean, other than New York City or New Orleans, some city that was right on the coast, every city that is now a population center 
with millions of people either didn't exist, Atlanta either didn't exist or it was just a little crossroads or a trading post. How much has changed since Mount Salem was born as a church? I mean, for goodness sake, whole nations have been born and risen to prominence and now no longer exist. But Mount Salem Baptist Church is still here. How many technologies have we seen come and go? How many companies have we seen come and go? But Mount Salem Baptist Church is still here. I mean, what a milestone. 200 years. And it is worthy of a celebration. I'm thankful that you guys are having a celebration today and yesterday as you did the groundbreaking. You've got a lot to celebrate, a lot to give thanks for. But let's remember one thing about milestones, whether you're going from here to Louisiana or whether you're on a journey as God's people, that whenever you pass a milestone, as important as it may be and as worthy of celebration as that may be, a milestone is not a destination, is it? If we cross the Mississippi River going to Louisiana and we just stop in the middle of it, that's not, that's not going to get us to where we're supposed to go. I mean, a milestone is worthy of celebration, but it's not a destination. And so this morning, as we think about passing a milestone, I just want to ask a question. What do we need to be thinking about today? Because this is not our destination. There's a lot to listen to and learn from and what God has to say to us about the journey that we're still on what do we need to hear from God as we pass this milestone today? Now, let me ask you to open your Bibles, if you will, to the book of 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel, the 7th chapter. I can't, I can't read my Bible and look at y'all with these glasses on, so I stick them on the top of my head. If they fall off during the message, y'all just forgive me. I'm not in control of that. But uh, y'all look at 1 Samuel, if you would. In the seventh chapter, let me give just a little bit of background to this particular story. I won't read all of the seventh chapter. But if you read just the seventh verse, the Bible says, Now when the Philistines heard that the sons of Israel had gathered to Mizpah, the lords of the Philistines went up against Israel. And when the sons of Israel heard it, they were afraid of the Philistines. Let me stop there just a second. This was a, a pending battle, a pending conflict. The people of Israel were afraid of what was going to take place. And the Bible says because they were afraid, they asked Samuel to pray for them. And Samuel said, okay. Samuel prayed for them. He, he carried out a special sacrifice. And the Bible says that God responded to Samuel's prayer in this particular story. The Bible says God thundered. I don't know exactly what that means. It's some sort of a meteorological miracle. But the Bible says God thundered and disoriented all the Philistines. And because they were disoriented, the people of Israel were able to win that battle. They chased the Philistines back home. And it was a great day. It was a celebration, sort of like we're celebrating today. But in the midst of that celebration, Samuel saw a teachable moment, kind of like what we want to see. What does God have to say to us as we pass this milestone? 200 years. And the Bible says that Samuel, verse 12, took a stone and set it between Mizpah and Shin and named it Ebenezer, saying, Thus far, the Lord has helped us. 
And those few words are what I'd like to meditate on with you primarily today. Just those few words where Samuel takes this stone and sets it up. And he says, he turns and looks at all the children of Israel and he says, here's the lesson for today. Thus far, the Lord has helped us. Now there's several different messages we need to draw out of that and I think the first one is just to answer a simple question that we are all prone to forget it's a simple question is how did we arrive here how did we get here 200 years how did we get here you know y'all ever done this with your kids where you're driving home from grandma's, maybe it's late at night, you know, and you got the kids maybe in the back seat. This is our kids. We didn't always have to have car seats, but nowadays, let's imagine, they're in the car seats in the back of the car, and they fall asleep. You know, they've had a great day at grandma's house or wherever it is, and you're traveling a couple of hours. They fall asleep on the way home, and by the time you get home, you don't want to wake them up. That's the last thing you want to do is for those kids to wake up. So you're just as ginger as you can, gingerly as you can. You kind of, you know, unbuckle that car seat. You pick that kid up and you carry it up and you lay it down in its bed. And it goes to, you know, stays asleep and it sleeps all night long. This used to happen to us all the time. And then the next morning we'd come out and we'd be down in the living room doing something. And that kid would wake up and it would bound down the stairs and just go about its day and start playing and do whatever. And then... Our kids never did. Maybe yours did, but our kids never stopped in the middle of their playing and say, wait a minute, how did I get here? <laughs> I mean, it's just, they just sort of took it for granted. It's like it didn't occur to them that somebody had to pick them up and carry them in and put them in their bed. All ten, They just never even seemed to think about it. And I think we do the same thing sometimes. After we go through a long season, and in Israel's case, They'd gone through not just one miracle where God had delivered them. There was a whole string of miracles that Samuel is trying to call to their attention. It's as if Samuel is saying, you know, we need to stop. God's done a miracle today. He's delivered us today. But God's delivered us a lot of times. This miracle is part of a much bigger story. The word Ebenezer, the stone that he named Ebenezer, means stone of help. And he's trying to call their attention to how many times and how many ways that their future has been dependent on the fact that God had not forgotten them, that God had been their helper. And it's wrapped up in this phrase, thus far the Lord has helped us. And so Samuel didn't have to go through every detail. The children of Israel would have looked at that stone and remembered not just today's deliverance, but deliverance in a thousand other ways. They knew the story of how God had called Abram out of Ur of the Chaldees. Leave your family and go to a land that I will show you. That was the Lord had helped us. I mean, they knew the story of how Isaac was born to a childless couple when Abram and Sarah were well, well past childbearing years. The Lord has helped us. How did we get here? 
He could have listed the story of how Joseph had been sold into slavery and it would look like his life was over. But God had sustained him, not only sustained him, but God put him in position so that Joseph had access to all the riches of Egypt when Israel needed them most. How did that happen? Is that an accident? No, thus far, the Lord. It's as if he's trying to remind them God has been a part of this equation from day one. Today's miracle, what we celebrate today, is it makes sense as part of a bigger story where God has been involved in this from the beginning. So whether the story is God calling Abram out of Ur, whether it's the story of Isaac's birth or Joseph being sustained in Egypt, or whether it's that baby Moses who was protected in that little, that little pitch you know, basket, or whether it's the story of the Red Sea that was parted, or whether it's the story of manna being provided in the wilderness, or how many other stories do we have to tell? So Samuel, it's as if he's saying to the people, don't forget that. How did we get here? Thus far, this is the answer to the question. It's not an accident. It's the work of God. It's the mercy of God. Thus far, the Lord has helped us. Now, let me shift gears this morning just a little bit. Let's don't talk about just the nation of Israel. You could talk, we could talk today about you and about me. I sat back there yesterday and listened to Vic tell his testimony about that time he was hanging on to that drive shaft in that truck and unhitched it. It started rolling down the hill, and it's like, there's no way out of this. But he did survive it, and it wasn't an accident. What's the explanation? The Lord has helped us. There's people in the room today. There's a story in your past someplace where the failure is something you're not proud of, you don't talk about, and you thought at that moment that there was no recovery from a failure like that one. But lo and behold, God Almighty has restored your life. He's given you a future. Now, there are folks in the room today who've been a part of an abusive relationship somewhere in the past, and you thought, there is no escape from this, but, but look where you are today. And why is that? Thus far, the Lord has helped you. How many stories could we tell today? And how many stories could we tell about Mount Salem Baptist Church if we asked a simple question, how did we get here? Celebrating 200 years goodness sake this church has survived through a civil war a depression loss heartache who knows how many barriers and difficulties and problems do you think that that is just an accident when whole nations have risen and fallen and the world has changed how much has this world around us changed in 200 years There's not any explanation other than this one. Thus far, the Lord has helped us. And here's the great news, folks. No matter what the challenges of today may be, for Mount Salem Baptist Church, or for your life, no matter what the challenges of the day may be, no matter how big those problems may seem, how insurmountable, here's the one simple fact that outstrips everything else. It's the simple fact that God has not forgotten you. 
that the God who made the world, the God who put the stars in place, is aware of you. And he watches over your life as he watches over the life of this church. Thus far, the Lord has helped us. That's why the psalmist says, he doesn't say, the government is my shepherd. He doesn't say, he doesn't say my employer is my shepherd. He says, the Lord is my shepherd. That's why Paul says in the book of Romans, if God be for us, so here's the, here's the fact that matters. It doesn't mean we don't have opponents. We do. Or enemies, we do. But, he says, but they don't matter if God be for us. What can be against us? How do we get here? God has been at work in the life of Mount Salem Baptist Church. The God who made the world. And that God is still in business. He is still available. And the gospel that he has given you and me as a treasure to share with the world is as powerful as ever. Which leads us to one other point. It's not just a question, how did we get here? But what's beyond here? I said a minute ago when we were we take these long road trips and we have milestones we pass. Every time you pass a milestone, it's a time to stop and reflect and how far have we come and also how far do we have to go. I love the fact that in this passage, in this text, Samuel has a preface to this phrase, the Lord has helped us. That's the explanation to their entire history. But the preface is just this. It says, thus far. Your Bible may say, if you've got a King James, it may say, hitherto. Up to now. You know, I'm a big Georgia fan. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. We got some things right in this world. Don't we? Um, and the college football season is about to start in a couple of weeks now. This is like a great thing for guys in the South. We all look forward to this. Now, if you've looked at Georgia's schedule, you know it's kind of light. There are kind of some lightweights on the front end of that schedule. And if you ask me about four games in, if we're undefeated, maybe we're ranked high, you know, having a great year, and, but we hadn't yet played, we hadn't played Tennessee, or we hadn't played Tech, or we hadn't played Auburn, or we hadn't played Florida, we hadn't, hadn't played anybody, if you say, how are the Bulldogs doing this year? And I'll say, pretty good thus far. <laughs> Why do I add those last couple of, couple of words on the end of that? Why do I have to say thus far? Yeah, because we hadn't, we hadn't really done much yet. It's like we're really just getting started. If we're three or four games in the season, I'm trying to say, okay, that's good. We've, we've won these three or four games, but I'm trying to say to you, there's more games to play. We are not done yet. You know what I'm saying? So why do you think that Samuel says to Israel, now let me say something, Israel's celebration on that day was not just 200 years. They, they had been in existence for much longer than that, for hundreds of years. But even though they had been in existence for hundreds of years, Samuel brings to their remembrance that they are not done yet. Thus far, there's more, more distance to travel. 
There are more things to accomplish, more stories to tell and to write. Stories about how God, we talk about stories how God has delivered in the past. There are stories to write about how God is going to deliver in the future. Some of you are going to write those stories. And people who are not here today are going to be able to write those stories because they've come to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And they'll stand here in this pulpit or they'll stand on this stage and they'll talk about how God has delivered them. That story has not been written yet. It still is yet to be written, and you're a part of it. Thus far, it's not only about how we got here, it's about what is beyond here. And this morning, as we celebrate, all of you have opportunity to commit to be a part of that. And let me say, it's not an automatic that we will commit to it. I wish it were. Because there are always temptations to do something other than to pay the price to commit to be a part of the story that God wants to write in the future. Now, I guess there's a temptation at 200 years for some of us to think this is not just a milestone. This is a destination, like an end point. It's not. And there are times when we as individuals, we... We go through a lot of different stages in life and we sometimes get to a point we feel like that we're somehow justified to just sort of sit down, coast. You know, I think about the passage in John, 21st chapter of John's Gospel, where Jesus is talking to Peter after Peter had denied him. And you remember this exchange between Peter and Jesus? 21st chapter, verse 18, Jesus says to Peter, he says, Truly I say to you, when you were younger, you used to gird yourself and walk wherever you wished. When you grow old, you'll stretch out your hands and someone else will gird you and bring you where you do not wish to go. Peter, not quite happy with that (laughs) prophecy about his life. He points over at John and says, What about him? And you know the story. Jesus says, if I want him to remain until I come, then what is that to you? You follow me. There's never a point in time when we, if we're alive, when we are justified to say, I, I, I'm done. We're, we're tempted to it because maybe like Peter, uh, it, it's just not what we expected it to be. Things haven't turned out the way I expected them to turn out. Or we're tempted to because other people maybe have disappointed us. You live in this world, that's going to happen. We point to those folks and say, well, because they disappointed me, maybe it was a former pastor. Certainly not this pastor. Maybe it was another member. We've all got those stories we could tell. And maybe it's not what you expected. It didn't turn out the way you expected. Maybe someone's disappointed you. Maybe it's just not the way you planned it. I mean, I, I don't know. I only know. I think about that, that episode in the life of Jesus when they saw that man who was blind outside the temple. And they asked Jesus, they said, Who sinned, this man or his parents, in order that he be born blind? And Jesus said, Neither this man nor his parents. That's not the point. 
He goes on to say, we must work the works of God as long as it is day. Night is coming when no man can work. And that's true. Night is coming. There, there is an end point. There is a time when we can't add to the story that God is writing through Mount Salem Baptist Church. None of us are eternal in this world. Night is coming, but it's not now. Listen to that other part. We must work the works of God how long? How long? As long as it is day. And I'm here to tell you today, it's daytime. America needs the message that Mount Salem Baptist Church is carrying. It's daytime. This community needs the message that Mount Salem Baptist Church is carrying, the treasure of the gospel. It's daytime. It's daytime for you. It's daytime for me. You and I are breathing. We're alive. God has given us the gift of life. We may be in all different stages of age and phases of life and health, but I'm alive, and God's given me opportunity to be a part of the story he's writing. And that's true for Mount Salem Baptist Church. Praise God, 200 years glorious history but it's only thus far we need to think today about how we got here we need to think about what's beyond here and we ought to think a little bit about and I referred to it a second ago the treasure of the gospel that we are carrying which really is in some ways the gift that we can give to the world you know, the celebration today and what we recommit ourselves to is, is not just a, a, the building here. We heard the history. I mean, it, this church is, hasn't always been in this building. It used to be a school. Wonderful as the memories are here, what's holy here is not bricks and mortar or wood. And what we have to offer the world it's not just a space. You know, just for a minute or two this morning, I, if we'll open your Bibles to the book of Ezekiel. I know we don't all spend a lot of time in Ezekiel. Um, but I was reading Ezekiel. Uh, I, I'm normally in a process of reading through the Bible. and It was back last summer. I was in Ezekiel, and I got to this section in the 40th chapter of Ezekiel on through the 47th chapter of Ezekiel. Now, you can go home today and read this. In fact, I hope you will. But the prophet Ezekiel, he's, he's off in Babylon. It's during the captivity of Israel while they were in Babylon. And, and God sends what I guess is kind of like an angel to him. And he begins to show Ezekiel a vision of how Israel is going to be restored. And, and that vision kind of culminates in a vision that Ezekiel receives about how the temple is going to be restored. Now, I won't go into any more of that, but if you look in the 47th chapter, he's telling the story of what this angel shows him. And in the 47th chapter, in the first verse, he says, Then he brought me back to the door of the house, and behold, water was flowing from under the threshold of the house, that is the temple. Water was flowing from under the threshold of the house toward the east. Now, if you go home today, there's water flowing out from under your threshold of your house. That's probably not a good thing. But in this, in this story or in this passage, 
it's a very good thing. Because he, he talks about how as the water flows out from underneath the house of God, the water flows out and it goes out in, in toward the east and this, this angel, whoever it is, walks out a little ways and it's like at first it's just a trickle. It goes up to his ankles. And he walks out a little farther and it's up to his knees. I mean, this stream is increasing in volume and force. And he walks out a, a thousand cubits farther and it's up to his waist. And then he walks out a little bit beyond that and it's a, a huge river. It's fact, so, so big you can't swim across it. And the thing that, that captures my imagination, he says that along the, the path of this waterway that starts as a trickle coming out of the house of God and begins to be a stream and then finally is a vast river, it's like trees are growing on both sides of this river. If you've ever been in a, a desert land, you ever been in a desert place where there's nothing that grows? In fact, if you look and see that there's any sort of a place where there's greenery, you know that there's greenery there because there's water there. Sometimes the only trees that grow will be along the sides of a stream because it's the only place where water is. That's the picture that Ezekiel is seeing. It's like something is flowing out of the house of God and wherever it flows and only where it flows, there is life. There's greenery and something can live there. It's like that's where things can thrive. Wherever the message that comes out of the house of God flows, only there. Can something live? And I think about that truth in light of the world that we live in today and the world that Mount Salem now has an opportunity to speak to. Because it's a divided world. And it's a world where in many ways the message of God's people may not be welcome. Now, as God's people, we have tremendous respect for every human being. We believe in civil rights, but more than anything else, we believe in the reality of God, and we owe our allegiance to Him. And there are times when we speak to the world the message of the gospel, and it's not welcome because it implies that we are accountable to God. Or it implies that we don't make all the rules, but in fact, there is someone above us who makes the rules. We, in fact, are not gods. We acknowledge the sovereignty of God. There are times in today's world when our message is viewed as hate speech because of those convictions. And there are people, and God forbid, even churches that now are a little bit shy about speaking the truth. But let me ask you, in our world, where is a 12-year-old girl who is being bullied at school because she doesn't measure up to somebody's expectations in her physical appearance or, or maybe in her speech or, or whatever it is. Where 
does a 12-year-old girl who's being bullied at school, where will she hear that she matters? Not because she's pretty, not because she's thin, not because she's smart, not because she's athletic, not because she's wealthy, but because she's made in the image of God. And the God of the universe counts her as precious. And the God of the universe sent his son to die in her place because she is eternally valuable. Let me tell you, she's not hearing that message from her classmates. And if she hears anything like that from her teachers or administrators, it's it's usually without a foundation to help her know why it's true. Where does she hear that message that gives her life? She hears it from the people of God. She hears it from the Word of God. She hears it from, it flows out of the house of God. This church and every church like it, America needs what this church has to offer. Where, where does a person who has been betrayed by someone who was a friend or, or maybe even a spouse Where does that person understand and hear the message that we are to love our enemies? Do they hear it from talk shows someplace? No, they hear it from the Word of God. It flows out of the house of God. Where does a senior adult who is losing everything that's precious, losing their friends, losing their health, where does this person begin to understand that that is not the end, but the best is, no matter how much they lose here, that the best is yet to come? Because there is a God who loves them and a God who sent his son who has been risen from the dead, raised from the dead and conquered death. Where does that person understand that the best is yet to come? He hears it and understands it from the word of God. It flows out of the people of God. It flows out of the house of God and it gives life. And apart from it, there is no life. Why does Paul say, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Why does he say, I'm not ashamed of the gospel? I'll tell you why. Because he had seen a world without the gospel. And he knew the gospel was better. It was better than the hopelessness of paganism. It was better than the aimlessness of paganism. It's better than the meaninglessness of paganism. He knew the gospel was better, and it is still better. There's a reason that Paul speaks to Timothy and he says, guard through the Holy Spirit who is in you the treasure which has been entrusted to you. He's talking about the gospel, a treasure which has been entrusted to you, and that treasure has been entrusted to me and to you, and whether it's a 12-year-old girl or a senior citizen or anybody else that lives in this community, They need that message that flows out of this church and each of you and gives life. You know, when Mount Salem Baptist Church was established in 1818, this had most recently been Indian Territory. And this church was established because There was no outpost, no place where the gospel was available. 
they knew that in order for this community to thrive, that there needed to be, that, that river needed to flow from some place, and this was the place. And the people who are long forgotten are some of those folks over there in that graveyard there. They didn't plant this church, start this church because it would be comfortable or convenient or just a good place to come and meet friends. They, they planted it because this community needed the gospel. And they've passed the baton to you and me. God willing, we'll pass it one day to others. Because God's writing a story here. Now, no more Indians around. America's changed dramatically. Yeah, I guess it's true that there are a lot of folks who could turn on the TV and they could hear some preacher talk about the gospel, but that's not what they need by itself. They need a human being. Someone who knows them and loves them and lives next door to them and invite them to know who Jesus is. And this morning, I just want to ask you as Mount Salem Baptist Church, as we pass this milestone and praise God for it, I just want to invite you to re-enlist. I mean, the same purpose that your forefathers had when they started this church, to make the gospel known to everyone who's here, even though there was no paved roads and it was almost a wilderness. They knew it needed the gospel. And they enlisted to be a part of that. I hope you'll celebrate today and give God thanks for everything that's happened in the past. But most of all, I hope you will re-enlist to be a part of what God wants to do in the future through Mount Salem Baptist Church. None of us will be here the next 200-year anniversary. But if the Lord tarries, I hope there is one. They'll tell stories about you. I'm going to ask our instrumentalists to come up and, and play. Tim, if you'll come receive folks for invitation time. Let's all stand together for our invitation. And this morning, if you just want to re-enlist, I don't mean you've got to rejoin the church. I just mean between you and the Lord. You want to re-enlist and say, I want to commit to be a part of what you want to, the story you want to write here at Mount Salem in the years to come. I'm not here to coast. I, it's daytime, and I'm here to, to serve. And there are people who need to hear the gospel through me. Come take your pastor's hand, pray with him. If you need to trust Christ as your Savior today, you come as God leads you. If you need to join this church, be a part of what God's going to do here, you come on as God leads this morning. Let's all pray together. Father, we thank you for the story.